Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be going over the 2020 Emma. The newest thing we've done yet. (laughs) (laughs) The most on topic we've been. Yes. And we have a very special guest today rejoining us. Uh, You're new. You're a crossover. Yes. Yes. First crossover. Not a first, but (laughs) (laughs) the first to go from Twin Peaks to Jane Austen. Yes. Yes. Hey, Josh Waller. Josh Waller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, peek there. <laughs> Might have to say their name. <laughs> Josh Waller. Hey. Yes. I knew you would like this movie. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's great. It's like Wes Anderson meets Jane Austen. I know. We keep saying that. I'm afraid someone will be offended that we keep comparing her well, to Wes Anderson. I, but it's, I'm, I mean it in the best way. It's just yeah. very oh, yeah. pretty and colorful. I would say and, it's more in the aesthetics rather yeah. than like the... Story yeah. building. I mean, the symmetry, you just can't deny. They both love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's, uh, did we get your Jane Austen experience in the past? I doubt it. I don't think so. I think it was just David Lynch last time I was on. Well, let's get your, what's your experience with Jane I, Austen? I don't really have a deep history. I did love the movie Sense and Sensibility with, yes. with uh, Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet. So <laughs> I think that's probably my you know, favorite. And I've, I'm sure I've seen some things here and there, but, um, did you ever see Pride and Prejudice? Which one? Kara Knightley. The Kara Knightley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. I don't think so. You should totally watch so. that one. Is that the Joe Wright? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I think, did we watch that? I don't know. And I don't know. We, we haven't watched it together. <laughs> okay. But, uh, the guy who plays Mr. Darcy's in Succession. Right. Right. That's one of your favorite characters. Yes. Matthew McFadden. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I don't. But you never yeah. read it in school. No, no, I don't. I don't think I've read any Jane Austen. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> that shows you how deep, like you know, how much I care about Jane Austen. I can't even remember if I've seen it, read it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that derogatorily. You know, right, 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 right. But you do love like period pieces. Oh, totally. So, yeah, this is totally. definitely right up your alley. So what? What's your first impression? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was really super funny. Um, it's beautiful to watch. It's just shot really beautifully and really great acting. I did, you know, there wasn't really much to, you know, not like about it. Maybe got a little slow in a couple of places, but you know, it kind of just speeds by. Yeah, it does go really fast <laughs> for a two-hour movie. But I loved it. Fun. Yeah, I love it too. It's so sugar-coated. It yeah. feels like it's yeah. like <laughs> it's a confection. Yeah. <laughs> so colorful and bright and what was your first impression christian um i also really loved it i and i don't know this might be taboo for austin fans but i enjoy this one a lot more than the gwyneth paltrow version i don't think there is such a thing as taboo everyone likes their own stuff <laughs> well you know <laughs> a lot of cult followings have like their ideas of what's the best and you know I, whatever of what it should be i'm sure be. there are people who think the gwyneth one is their favorite but don't really think that that's Widely. the majority of it. I, I know I've never seen that movie, which seems... That's crazy. Yeah, it seems unreal because it came out at a time when I would have watched that movie. Yeah. So I don't know why I never saw it. It's not too late. I'm yeah. sure it's... I know it's on like three different streaming channels. So. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed the color scheme. I enjoyed the costumes a lot. Ooh, yeah. They were really ornate and just yeah. seemed like they gave more budget to it in this one. Which is nice because you usually have like... You're not big into the Regency costumes usually. Yeah, I'm not into like the high line, whatever you call it. Yeah, the um, impure, impure. Yeah, waste. impure. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed a lot of the performances. I was excited to see the cast list before I saw it because I like a lot of those people. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I watched it. Um, you know, <laughs> this movie was kind of weird because it came out right before the whole quarantine mm. hit. So I was planning on going to see it at the movies, but then there was all this talk about this disease and I was like, I don't know if I really want to go. I mean, I want to see it so bad and then everything shut down anyway, but then they released it on DVD or on on demand. I ended up paying like 60 bucks for this movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I bought it. First I bought it on DVD before, you know, it even came out. Like I pre-ordered it. Mm -hmm. Then when I heard that they were releasing it, early i pre-ordered it on demand so like whoa, whoa, the wait, digital wait, version wait, 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 wait. but then they were only printing it <laughs> for twenty dollars <laughs> so hold on you decided to purchase the movie way before you ever saw it or even knew yes, it was coming out for okay, okay well i know i was doing it for the podcast so i knew it <laughs> okay. needed oh, true. to have okay. a copy right. okay. <laughs> But I, of course, cannot have a Jane Austen thing come out without me owning a copy of it. A good copy point. or good, two. Good yes. Point. Good point. Well, now I have multiple because I've got some for you. <laughs> but yeah, so because I rented it for $20, I was like, you know, I, can, I can't watch it again until it comes out. So it was the first time I watched it, I was in the very early stages of quarantine and I literally cried every time they hugged <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah I thought it was really cute I mean it was just yeah. a really nice fresh adaptation mm -hmm. um Emma is the easy easily the most adapted of all of Jane Austen so yeah I loved it yeah. <laughs> I really like the choices they yeah made. I remember thinking like and again, speaking from a limited Jane Austen experience, <laughs> I feel like usually the color palette or tone in those movies is very dour and, and dark and mm -hmm. not yeah. very colorful. So this felt just like so yeah. fresh and vibrant. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also added to like the opulence of how rich they were because I remember when we did the old one, uh, we looked up like all their fortunes and everything and Emma Woodhouse had the largest fortune out of all of them. It was oh, like yeah. insane. And I feel like in the other version, you didn't get that. But in this one, you have all the opulent clothing and the opulent, like, the, oh, yeah. the screens that he would call for all the time. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and I also really liked how, I know they, at the beginning, they said that she was 21. But I feel like the way her and um, Harriet are kind of, like, portrayed in their friendship, it feels very, like, 15, 16 year old high school, like, Yeah, it's, like, young. Very young. And I love that a lot. Yeah, I think that the teenageriness comes mm -hmm. through a lot. Oh, like yeah. you really get to see Emma's flaws in this version, which yeah. are can be kind of glossed over. But in other um, versions. and still you love her despite her flaws. Yes. <laughs> so I thought it was great. Uh, should we mention that it's uh, we're all together? <laughs> Do we have to explain that every time? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can get that part out. <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, what I, I can't think of what else my first impression. I did think it was fun to get butts right out of the beginning. Oh, yeah. Butts. I love a good butt. The most uh, revealing yeah. <laughs> awesome adaptation we've had. Yeah, it was like making a statement from the beginning. Like, this is different. different. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end with the nosebleed, that was like totally original and interesting. <laughs> I know that some people did not like that, but again, I like them all. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, yeah, there's I'd a million other adaptations of Emma for people. I'd be curious <laughs> to know, like, since you've, I'm 
assuming have read the book, like how many, like there were quirky elements to this movie and like how many of those came directly from the book mm. or if that was a stylistic or writer's choice to, you know, put those little quirky moments in like the talking about the, the, um, the, uh, what were they called? The screens, the screens around the, the <laughs> fireplace. Like, is mm-hmm. that a detail in the book? Like, or is that a funny little bit that they put in this movie? I think that's a funny little bit they put in. Although I do think Mr. Woodhouse does, want screens a lot but i don't think it's as um comical pointed yeah, yeah. right okay yeah but i think it is her funniest book and like the gwyneth paltrow one was directed by a guy who did saturday night live before mm-hmm. and so you could really feel like the kind of the playing up the like sketch comedy parts of it oh yeah and but it is really funny like miss bates is hilarious in the books too because she just like rambles on and on but you don't it's not the same as when you get the performance of like all the business. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I think it worked really well. Should we go ahead and get some notes? Yeah. Sure. All right. Okay. Emma came out in America, at least wide release, March 6th, 2020. (laughs) I went into quarantine. Friday the 13th. <laughs> I'll never forget today. A week after. <laughs> uh, but it did come out in the UK, like um, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Ooh. The tagline, we haven't had one of those in a while. Oh, gosh. Hope <laughs> it's good. It's called Love, or it, what? It's called <laughs> <laughs> Love Knows Best. Okay. Yeah. That's a good it one. It's not silly. It's not yeah, it, wildly. Throw it on a poster. Right. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so the title of the film has an unconventional period at the end. Mm-hmm. And Autumn DeWilde, the director, said it, she put the period because it's a period piece. <laughs> <laughs> good for her. Which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> so the cast, we have Anya Taylor-Joy as Emma Woodhouse, Johnny Flynn as George Knightley, Mia Goth as Harriet Smith, Miranda Hart as Miss Bates, Bill Nighy as Mr. Woodhouse, Josh O'Connor as Mr. Elton, Vicar Elton, <laughs> as they <laughs> labeled him. Callum Turner as Frank Churchill, Amber Anderson as Jane Fairfax, Rupert Graves as Mr. Weston, Gemma Whelan as Mrs. Weston slash Miss Taylor, Tanya Reynolds, Mrs. Augusta Elton, Connor Swindles as Robert Martin, Oliver Chris as John Knightley, and Chloe Peary as Isabella Knightley. They did not have the two young servant men on the... Oh. I mean, I'm sure if I went to IMDb, I could find them, but they weren't yeah. on the <laughs> they were so good, main though. cast list. I kept thinking of how that would be such a fun part to play. Totally. You don't have to worry about any lines. <laughs> <laughs> and you just have funny little bit after bit after bit. Yeah. And you're there for all of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that would be such a great part. Okay, so it was directed by Autumn DeWilde. She... Before this, this is her first uh, movie that she's ever mm-hmm. done, but before this, she was a photographer and she did like the cover art for lots of albums including like fiona apple and jenny lewis and she's also done a lot of music videos and like portrait photography of musicians she's really into like the rock and roll world huh. she's had covers on rolling stone and new york times huh. um well i don't know if she had a cover but she had her stuff her in new york shown. times she her mother was English, so she said she always really loved British stuff, so always into period films. And when she was asked to pitch for this film, it felt like a dream come true. 
so what she she explained how she did her pitch she like printed all of her visual ideas on little postcards and sent them to them in a little pack because i guess they it wasn't quarantine but they had to do it like on over the internet or something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway so she had them all open at the same time and just lay them out however they wanted so they could get like a bird's eye view of the colors and everything which as a photographer i'm like yeah that sounds exactly like (laughs) (laughs) so the screenplay was by eleanor catton and this was her i think this was her first screenplay she wrote the novel the luminaries for okay. which she was the youngest winner of the 2013, well, she was the youngest winner of the Man Booker Prize, oh, but she got yeah. it in 2013. Wow. I think she's New Zealand, Australian, like she's got multiple. <laughs> There's a puppy getting ready to jump in my lap, just yeah. <laughs> in case you hear something strange. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the music was by Isabella Waller-Bridge and David Schweitzer. <laughs> and I... I she did. I don't know if he is like her, just her normal writing partner, but um, they composed music for Fleabag, which is her sister's show. Right. And all of the actual music that was performed <clears throat> in the movie was performed by the actors in character live. Autumn DeWilde said she was a little upset because she wanted to have some of her rock and roll friends do music, but it just didn't feel right for the um, the movie. For the movie. But she said when she worked with Isabella Waller-Bridge, they ended up using a lot of folk influences and the majority of the music was inspired by clocks, clockwork and music boxes. Huh. Oh, and Johnny Flynn who played Mr. Knightley also contributed music. Like I think the song that's played in the credits is him. Yes. Yes. Okay. It was produced had a lot of production companies. If you're watching it, you'll notice um, several title cards. It was produced by perfect world pictures, working title films, blue pin pictures <laughs> oh, the sounds of Mabel. <laughs> and it was distributed by Focus Features. It had a budget of $10 million. That's really cheap for such yeah. a beautiful movie. And in the box office, it made 25.4, even with its, like, you know. Oh, wow. Weird release. It was released digitally on March 20th on premium VOD because of movie theaters closing due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which I just was like, oh, look, Wikipedia. (sighs) Even Wikipedia knows. (laughs) (laughs) It's been marked. Um, On Rotten Tomato, it has an 86% weighted average. Pretty good. um, Or a weighted average of 7.26 over 10. Metacritic, 71 out of 100. Cinema score B. Post track, three out of five stars, and 44% of people surveyed said they would definitely recommend it. Yeah. I guess I can... Well, let me add one more thing. One more thing for notes. No, I'm going to save it (laughs) (laughs) for the next one. Let's do the recap. Okay. So, starts off. Several title cards, as I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> and we get um, a line from the book. Emma Woodhouse, handsome, clever, and rich, had lived nearly 21 years in the world with very little to distress or vex her. <laughs> vex. I love that word. Yes. <laughs> and we start with Emma asleep 
and see her waking up. She's out before dawn, picking out flowers with a couple of servants in tow with a lamp on a stick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's being very particular about which flowers she wants. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> yeah, so she points and then, nope, nope. <laughs> one of her. And then we see the Emma period, period piece. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so then Emma is... She has a bouquet, and she's knocking on a door, and we see Miss Taylor lean against the door, and they whisper to each other for a minute, and then she opens the door, and Emma gives her the flowers and expresses how much she loves her and will miss her. It's a very sweet scene, but it's just such a juxtaposition between what we just saw of like her being a mm-hmm. little bit neurotic, maybe. <laughs> Pushy and Pushy. short. <laughs> yeah. She really... Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy really pulls off the, like, kind of... Self-assured. The self-assured teenager, you know, with a little too much power. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Regina George. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. So then we have Mr. Woodhouse yelling, Poor Miss Taylor! <laughs> <laughs> and he's surprisingly spry in this version. He, like, jumps down the stairs. They're, they're in the carriage, him and Emma, and she's boasting about her matchmaking. And she says she can't give it up, not after such a great success. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're at the church, and Miss Miss Bates is so excited to talk to Emma about oh how gosh. joyful it is. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma barely just acknowledges her. <laughs> but she's on the lookout for Frank Churchill. Mm-hmm. Who was that that was standing with their back to the camera at the back of the church and the, the just scene. like a door attendant it was just somebody like you know she kept looking back there and i was like oh sh-. anyway yeah i think she's just expecting him to walk in i guess it could have been the curate or it could have just been like a servant or something uh mr elton enters and miss taylor soon to be mrs weston walks down the aisle frank does not show up <laughs> <laughs> and then we're straight to the reception dinner there's like no time wasted in this no. maybe it's like just little tiny scenes after little tiny scene Emma is happy and sad, but determined, possibly, for future endeavors. <laughs> Mr. Knightley comes home and gets naked, first thing. <laughs> it's our first butt of the movie. <laughs> then we see him being dressed with almost as much fuss as we see when the women get dressed mm-hmm. in most mm-hmm. adaptations. His house looks gigantic. And it's, it's an abbey. I know. I was like, Catherine Moreland would have loved to go. <laughs> <laughs> It's so full of art, too. And uh, he talks to his housekeeper, who was Mary Bennett in the 1996 Pride and Prejudice adaptation, playing Mrs. Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the only time she shows up, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Emma sees Knightley coming over and runs over to the piano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> see, I am always, we, whenever I get to like, oh, someone's about to come over or something, and there's about 10 minutes left. I never know what to do with myself, so I always play the piano. And so when I saw her do that, I was like, I hope people don't think I'm just immediately like, look how nice I am. <laughs> so he comes in and he talks to Mr. Woodhouse. Um, Emma obviously gets frustrated that she doesn't come to greet her. Uh, Mr. Woodhouse thinks Knightley must feel a chill. And Knightley is complaining about Frank Churchill, which is his number one pastime in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just being rude about it right off the bat. Mr. Woodhouse falls asleep as soon as his screen is set up. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first screen of the movie. 
It's a really funny running joke throughout. And then we see Emma in her room, and we get our second butt. <laughs> Drawing it by the fire. Side butt. <laughs> or heating it by the fire. Yeah, just a little side butt. Then at breakfast, Emma is trying to tell her father about Harriet Smith, but he is distracted by a mysterious draft. <laughs> <laughs> but then Harriet comes over, and she's so adorable. She looks like in awe as she walks up. <laughs> and Emma serves Harriet tea, and is basically like, you're a gentleman's daughter, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it. And Harriet is just like, do you know the Martins? <laughs> Her favorite people. She's so adorable. She's like watching how Emma is uh, drinking her tea and trying to copy her. And she obviously has Mr. Martin on her mind. <laughs> so to try to distract her from Mr. Martin, they go to visit Mrs. Weston. Now Mrs. Weston. And that's where Harriet meets Mr. Elton. The worst. <laughs> <laughs> They're all admiring a painting that apparently Frank Churchill painted. I was oh, like, oh, house. a little behind the scenes mm -hmm. of Frank Churchill. He's an artist. <laughs> he had sent it as a wedding gift. And Emma starts talking up Mr. Elton to Harriet. And Harriet wants to know why she never married. And Emma's like, I have no inducements to marry. <laughs> <laughs> and then some of my favorite music starts. I love all of the um, pastoral music or it's the like, like folk, music. folk music. Yeah. Or, yeah. I love all the folk music so much. I just keep writing. I love this soundtrack. Harriet is so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so do they ex explain why Harriet's coming to the house? Um, like, who is she and why is she coming? Like, I got that Mrs. Weston was her governess. Right. So I was like, oh, is Harriet coming in too? They don't really explain it that very well. I but just... in general, like, in the book, it's because because Mrs. Weston moved out and Emma now has no friends. So she's like, well, there's this one girl at Goddard's who's my age. Let me invite her. And then immediately starts like, oh, let me set her up with someone. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> I need okay. a new project. Right. It's almost like she is, like Emma feels like she's ready to be a governess herself. Right. And it's like, Harriet is my ward. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's how it's presented, at least in this movie. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Although I think a lot of it, in the book, it's just her being like, I, I need I'm a friend. alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we see the girls from Mrs. Goddard's walking in formation in their red cloaks. <laughs> I did read a bunch about the costumes and how like the red cloaks are for like a, a poor people. And like Emma's always wearing fitted jackets because, you know, cloaks you can kind of exchange. Mm -hmm. They're not so fitted. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And Harriet and Emma are shopping for ribbon when Miss Miss Bates comes in. <laughs> the absence. Yes, I love yes. Emma in this scene, <laughs> trying to escape her, but still feeling compelled to listen. <laughs> she wants to tell Emma about this letter she received from her niece, Jane Fairfax, but she gets distracted regularly. Every time she does, Emma uses it as an excuse to walk away from her. <laughs> Finally, she gets the story of Jane almost falling off of a boat. And Harriet is like, what? I need to hear this story. It's so romantic. <laughs> and so after that, Emma is talking to Harriet. And she's like, I'm just tired of the name Jane Fairfax. And that's when Robert Martin comes up. <laughs> or he and Harriet see each other. And mm. they run over to talk. Emma just kind of walks away annoyed. And when Harriet comes back, she wants her opinion. 
Emma doesn't think he's quite Gentile enough for her because he's not a gentleman and she's convinced herself that she's a gentleman's daughter. And so Harriet is obviously disappointed (laughs) by not getting Emma's (laughs) approval. So then we're at Emma's house. Mr. Woodhouse is seeing Perry, (laughs) the doctor. (laughs) Emma says she's disappointed. She's a disappointment to her dad because she's so seldom indisposed. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts I love that one. uh harriet is just complimenting emma and mr knightley is getting annoyed <laughs> <laughs> this is a really funny scene he, although he does compliment her he's like i think your vanity is not in your looks you're you're good looking and you never seem vain about that but you're vain in other ways right <laughs> <laughs> He definitely knows how to get at her. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And he takes delight in it. (laughs) So Emma starts whispering to Harriet about how she thinks Mr. Elton likes her. And Harriet's getting excited. And then we have the painting scene in which Emma's collar is the star of the scene. It's so crazy. It's just like this huge collar, but it's not attached to anything. It's just... Sitting. Oh, I love that collar. (laughs) She's trying to make this match between Harriet... But it seems kind of obvious in this movie that Elton really wants Emma. <laughs> See, I did not get that. Really? No, I didn't. Uh, that came as a little bit of a shock, but maybe I'm just not paying it. Well, maybe it's just because I know the story so well, well that I'm yeah. picking up on all the subtle clues. Right. Because he does kind of have like a smarmy smiliness to everyone. Right, right. <laughs> he was a little more Weasley in this one. Yeah, he's not quite as Weasley as Mr. Alan Cumming, Mr. Elton. You think so? I think he was worse than this one. Really? I dislike this one a lot more. Because <laughs> I feel like the Alan Cumming one, he was just kind of like a, you know, like a just mean, kind of like richy snobby. Yeah. This one, he seemed like he was like also super immature. Like, we'll get That's to true. it. The whole scene later when they're in the carriage together was very like, I'm going to throw a tantrum. Yeah, he is, he is definitely more immature. That's for sure. Yeah, gross. <laughs> but I also feel like I feel his pain a little more. In this one, maybe a couple parts, but we'll get to it. (laughs) Yes, so she suggests a portrait of Harriet for Mr. Elton. And then we see her painting the portrait as Elton watches over her shoulder and compliments her painting, saying it looks better than real life. Uh, (laughs) We finally get a look at it. I'm like, it doesn't look anything like her. (laughs) Knightley comes in with uh, Mr. Woodhouse and he says that she's too tall. Although there's nothing to compare her to in the background. <laughs> Just, again, knows how to get yes. it. Emma. You've shown her too tall. He can't give her a compliment. <laughs> so Mr. Elton wants to be trusted with the framing of the portrait. And Emma thinks, of course, that that means that he loves Harriet. Yeah, he wants to get it framed and keep it. Yeah. Then we see Knightley talking to Mrs. Weston about how he doesn't think that this friendship between the ladies is a great idea. And he says that he wants to see Emma fall in love and be in doubt of her love being returned. And he says it would do her good. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, so jealous of no one at this point. (laughs) I think he's just wanting her. It's like we get the inklings of him wanting her to like finally grow up because maybe his secret love for her is like so deep down. He's just like, she needs to be challenged at least once. Yeah. He wants her to be the perfect Emma. Exactly. The nosebleed Emma. (laughs) Again, I wrote, I really love all the Mr. Martin music. (laughs) (laughs) So we see Knightley picking up Mr. Martin to go buy something. Maybe some sheep. I'm not sure what he's buying. 
Yeah, I never said, but I would assume. Something out of season. And Mr. Martin wants his advice. And then we see Harriet running in excited to Emma at her house. And she's saying that Mr. Martin... Proposed. Proposed. <laughs> I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote something really weird. Mr. Martin affected his hand in the letter. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Presented his hand. Maybe, offered his hand. Maybe. Offered his hand. Yeah. It's a problem when I'm trying to write and it's like auto-correcting and I'm not noticing. <laughs> so Emma says she doesn't want to advise Harriet. But Harriet definitely realizes that she thinks she ought to refuse. Because she, you can see Harriet trying to read Emma. Like, yeah. what do you want me to do? And she looks so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and Emma seems so unconcerned. She just keeps turning her back to let Harriet decide without her. And then Harriet figures it out. And yeah, Harriet's definitely more concerned about what Emma thinks than, yeah. I, I mean, it's clear that she loves Emma more than Mr. Martin at this <laughs> <Right>. point. Yes. <laughs> And Emma is relieved, which makes me think he probably shouldn't accept his proposal at this point. If you're like, I know Emma says, if you're unsure, you probably shouldn't. But I kind of feel the same way in this scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, if you're that unsure and you just, you know. You need other people's approval. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Watching this movie made me think, am I an Emma? <laughs> 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 am I a bad person secretly? <laughs> No. No, Emma's not a bad person. But, you know, like, (laughs) just unaware of your own flaws. (laughs) So, okay. Then Knightley is talking to Emma. Basically saying he thinks Harriet's like a simpleton. (laughs) So mean. He's blaming Emma for her refusing Mr. Barton. She, yeah. They're still, they still have a lot of growing up to do in this story. Oh, yeah. But Knightley is very concerned with Harriet's, like, lack of connection. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I think... It's great to have a female director because a lot of times the male directors take the male characters and justify their actions by showing like what they're thinking deep down and they just almost like brush off the flaws. Mm. But I feel like in this one we're seeing both their flaws because like this whole scene where he's saying how Harriet is not good enough and she's, I just feel like we can see that you're being a snob, Mr. Knightley. It's Mm -hmm. not all Emma, you know, you've got some things you need to work on too because <laughs> he's so concerned about her lack of connection and emma is defending harriet's position and desirability as knightley says it's better to be without sense altogether than misapply it as you do <laughs> <laughs> and they file past mr woodhouse who's behind his screens while they're still fighting <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks that she is giving harriet false expectations of who she can marry and he also doesn't think that Elton would ever go for it. He says when only men are present, he apparently says he wants to marry for money, basically. And that's when Emma says she only wants to keep Harriet for herself. And I really believe her in that mm, instance. Yep. <laughs> and Knightley has no response to that and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Emma views her matchmaking skills as like a gift, but also a burden. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. she's like, I make people happy she's like but then i'm abandoned yes well i think you know if she at this point she's thinking if i let her or if she marries robert then i'll probably never get to hang out with her again she'll be Mm. like a farmer's wife and she'll Mm. be you know but if she marries mr elton then they're in like the same social circle and she can invite her over all the time and be friends elton comes in with his covered portrait (laughs) the framed portrait (laughs) 
And he dramatically unveils it. It's behind these little doors that the two <laughs> servant boys, men, open dramatically. And it's like a little music box. <laughs> and Harriet just loves it. It claps with excitement. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's so I love funny. Emma's line. You certainly spared no expense. <laughs> Stupid. It looks crazy. Yes. Well, I know. I did think at first, like, how did he afford to do this? He's rich. I guess it's a... Um, well, I don't know that he's rich, rich, but I he's guess it's a like, pretty rich um, rectory. That he's, or, yeah. yeah, he's not, like, their level, but clearly he thought he was good enough to be married to Emma, so he's, like... Got I, some sort of societal... I feel like it's got to be a fairly rich neighborhood in general with both the Woodhouses and the Nightleaves and even the Coles who are like, mm-hmm. they got their money in trade, but they still seem pretty rich. <laughs> right. So then it's winter. <laughs> I don't think I even mentioned the past ones, but Emma's family is arriving for Christmas. Her sister and... It's her sister's family. <laughs> her bundle Ooh, of children. Like, I guess it's also Mr. Knightley's family. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Because that's his brother. Um, oh, God. Just imagining a carriage ride with, like, four kids and a baby <laughs> and three adults going however far they went. Ugh. Sounds dreadful. No wonder they're all in such horrible moods. <laughs> I just... Uh, God. No, I was just going to say, I, I wondered if she was, like... What's the older sister's name? Isabella. Is, Isabella. Is she, was she, like, the mother? Like, where did she get this sour <laughs> attitude from? Because I think... Well, she seems like kind of like the dad with like her a little bit of hypochondriac. Oh, oh, yeah, but um, the uh, their mom they don't even mention any of this, but their mom dies really when they're really young. So I imagine she maybe was kind of like a little bit of a mother figure. Mm. So maybe. So then we're inside. Emma's holding little Emma, the baby, and she's trying to stop the family from bickering with each other, but she's unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> she's talking about how she wishes she could go to the ocean or something like they're talking oh, yeah. about the ocean. She's I've like, never I've been never there. been. It's not fair. <laughs> so Knightley comes over and he seems to want to make up. And then the baby spits up <laughs> and starts crying. And Isabella wants to send for Perry immediately. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think by this point with multiple kids, she wouldn't be as yeah. apt to freak out over mm. a spitting up, but <laughs> maybe it's every time that the child does. Every child has done it. Yeah. If she's like the father. Yeah, maybe, maybe normally. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, what is her husband's line? Um, something as life, uh, life, death follows, or something. Yes, <laughs> death, <laughs> the inevitable death follows life, or something like that. Something like that, where it's just like this is normal. Yeah, I heard he improvised that line. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. So Emma and Knightley kind of laugh to themselves when they all leave, and Emma still thinks she was right. <laughs> But she wants to know if Mr. Martin was disappointed. And he says, yes. <laughs> so then we're back. We're at the Goddards. And all the Goddard girls are giggling as they're walking in. And Emma is coming to visit Harriet. <laughs> it's so funny the way she walks in. And all the girls, like, rush in <laughs> to look at her as <laughs> she like goes in. She's coming to visit Harriet, who is sick in bed. <laughs> so disheveled. <laughs> <laughs> she said because she'll miss the party at Randall's. And Harriet's just sad to miss the Christmas sermon, so she can't transcribe Mr. Elton's sermon. <laughs> and Emma says she'll transcribe it for her. And it's such a sweet, like, oh, they're friends. Yeah, she's like, they're I'll real do friends it. now. <laughs> Using shorthand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um. 
he droned on about this for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I was always curious as to why Emma was convinced that Harriet was a, like, noble whatever. Because she goes to that school with a bunch of other regular girls. Yeah, I think it's just because... They fit well together? She's, um, you know, like, if you look at her room, it's pretty big. Oh, it just looks nicer. So I think she's just, like well taken care of at the school you know all of her expenses are paid and stuff and it's a little bit of wishful thinking on emma's part i Mm -hmm. think (laughs) right so okay then i guess yeah we're at the uh the weston's christmas dinner um Mm -hmm. helton is being so fakey Mm -hmm. of course (laughs) mr weston shows emma a letter from frank um why he hasn't come yet and she goes to the other room to read it, and Knightley finds her and can't help himself but to put down Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Emma rolls her eyes at him. And she says that they're both prejudiced. She's prejudiced in that she wants to like him, and that he's prejudiced and that he wants to dislike him. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're at dinner, and Elton is, like, timing his food, so he eats at the exact same time as Emma. <laughs> Psycho. <So> creepy. <laughs> And Emma discusses Frank's aunt with Mrs. Weston. And Elton makes some sort of remark. And everyone just kind of gives him this pity smile. Like, oh. You're trying. You're trying. (laughs) (laughs) And then he mentions snow. And everyone immediately freaks out. (laughs) Snow. (laughs) Your mother died in snow. (laughs) Snow, even your mother died. Yeah, Bill Nye is just amazing. He's so great. I love him in this role. <laughs> they all bustle out in a whirlwind, leaving only Emma and Elton behind because they were trying to thank their hosts before they left. <laughs> so they have to ride back in the carriage together, and Elton and creepily unties his bow. <laughs> Then he throws himself in Emma's lap when the carriage hits a bump. And Emma's like, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you drank too much. And he's saying, I think he's expressing his love. And she's saying that she'll pass the message on to Miss Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and Elton is like, I never cared whether Miss Smith was dead or alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's... Only that she was your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who can that... think of Miss Smith when Mrs. Woodhouse is near? <laughs> exactly. That's why I think he's worse in this one. Because... The other one, at least, he was just like, uh, no, she's poor and I'm rich. But this one, he's like, I couldn't care if she was alive or not. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He just seems a little mean. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's just a mean character, really. Yeah. I think he just seems young and stupid. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A spinning lies to himself, like illusion. <laughs> uh, disillusioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Emma explains that she has no idea what he's talking about and that she only encouraged him towards Harriet. She has no thoughts of matrimony at the present. And Mr. Elton throws a fit. (laughs) He angrily hits the roof and tells the driver to stop the carriage and storms out into the snow. (laughs) I really like how Emma in this one was not like trying to like, oh, get back in the carriage. She was just like, okay, you can walk. (laughs) She's like, I wish you would get out, please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he can handle a short walk in the snow. Okay, so we're, we're at Goddard's again. And this is such a funny, crazy, weird, like, manic schoolgirl game that they're playing with a sugar <laughs> mold. <laughs> oh, God. They take the sugar, press it in the mold, 
you know, remove the mold. And then there's, it's like a, almost like Jenga where they're cutting yes. slices to try to keep like the center one. And there's a coin on top that they're trying to balance. Then they all hold back Harriet's hair as she pushes her whole face into the <laughs> pile of sugar and comes up with a coin in her mouth, just as Emma is walking in. So she's got this coin in her mouth. Her face is covered in sugar. What a waste of so much sugar. I know it does seem like a waste, but I bet they use all that sugar on like whatever. On the set, on the I, curtains and the No, I mean, a, the actual girls at the school sugar. were probably like... For cakes or... Yeah, they probably didn't care so much about like germs. germs. <laughs> True, good point. They were disgusting back then, so they would have just well, used yeah, it. Yeah, considering they showered probably once every three years. Right. <laughs> well, they never showered because there weren't showers. But... Oh, you know, baths. Yeah. Baths. Yeah. Okay, so the next scene... Her face is still covered in sugar as she's learning that <laughs> Mr. Elton never loved her and loved Emma. And it's a really great acted scene. Emma feels like it's all her fault. And Harriet almost seems okay. Like, she's, like, kind of just taking it all in. And then, <laughs> till she realizes, she remembers the portrait and almost throws it on the fire. <laughs> and Emma's like, no, you can burn the frame, but let me keep the picture at <laughs> it's least. It's like, I painted the picture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she'll treasure it as a portrait of her friend. And then uh, her family's leaving. <laughs> I was like, they must be miserable house guests. (laughs) (laughs) But Papa is sad to see them go. And he says that Emma must never leave him. And she says Mm -hmm. she never could. Their relationship is really cute Mm -hmm. in this version. I mean, it's always really cute, but I really like the way he's just, you know, he's he's there for her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He seems to understand her even when they're not talking about anything. And she understands him. Okay, so I don't know if we change seasons, but... Harriet is still, I think it's now spring. Harriet is still talking about Mr. Elton. And Emma says, enough. (laughs) And Harriet impulsively throws her book of sermons into the river. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed this scene because it felt like the similar to the scene in the Gwyneth Paltrow one where she's like burning all the things that she kept (laughs) that he touched or whatever. This one felt a little bit more, uh, a little less creepy (laughs) and (laughs) a little bit more like, She's cutting it off completely. And yeah. it was like, done. Yeah, it definitely used the elements with like the trying to burn the frame and mm-hmm. the little, instead of a book of riddles, she has the book of sermons. Right. Which I think works really well because it just shows like her devotion. You know, she's secretly right. been writing these sermons every week. And the riddles were always a little weird. Hard to comprehend from our perspective. Oh. <laughs> so Miss Bates comes over. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and. She's out of breath. I love the way Emma opens the window, like, with her one finger. (laughs) Flick it open. (laughs) Yeah. But she says that Jane is in town, and she has to come visit. (laughs) (laughs) So they go over, and Jane looks so over meeting Emma. (laughs) She just looks like she could care less. (laughs) She looks like just as big a snob as her in this Mm -hmm. scene. (laughs) And Miss Bates never stops rambling the whole time. Emma and Harriet don't really smile, I don't think, the whole time either. <laughs> and the transitional scene, or the tra- what transitions this scene is the next one, is Miss Bates yelling at her mother. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Mom! <laughs> and then they switch to, we're at Hartfield, and it's still her screaming at her mother. And 
this is I feel like Harriet is starting to like spruce herself up a little. Like her mm-hmm. hair is more in the fancy way in this one. It looks like she's got some of Emma's clothes now that she's yeah. borrowing. Barred a dress or something. <laughs> Hi, puppy. Uh, <laughs> so Miss Miss Bates blurts out that Jane met Frank Churchill. <laughs> and Emma wants to know more because this is a very person who she's been very interested in. But Jane Refuses to give any details and immediately changes the subject to how great the custard is made. (laughs) (laughs) And then we see Emma playing the piano for the party and singing. And I think she sounds pretty good. She has a very dramatic rendition. And Jane almost seems to be like laughing at herself (laughs) a bit. (laughs) And then they kind of meet and Emma's like, it's a pity you didn't bring any music. And Jane's like, oh, hopefully I can recollect the tune. (laughs) And then plays Flat of the Bumblebees. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, and the whole party, including Emma and Harriet, both start, come to like a... (sighs) I was was trying to, do you know if um, that actress and Knightley actually played their instruments? I mean, they both, yeah, yeah, they... They definitely did. Apparently, um, Autumn to Wild was like, come over and play me a bunch of different pieces and we'll see which one works best. And yeah, all the all the music was done by the actors. It's awesome. Yeah. She's a good piano player. She is. <laughs> really good. <laughs> I could never play that. God, no. I'm always like, if I went to an audition and I said I could play the piano, it would have to be like a conditionally <laughs> with lots of practice. Harry and had not too a hard. little lamb. <laughs> I can maybe do a little better than that, but <laughs> definitely I can no Jane Fairfax level. <laughs> you might be able to pull off the Jane uh, Fairfax. No, 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 no. <laughs> lots of practice. Lots of practice. Yeah, lots. Yeah. So while they're uh, listening, Knightley comes over, basically to shame Emma for not liking Jane, and Emma's like, "I've always been jealous of her because she." always supposedly put up as this super accomplished girl who I should be best friends with because we're the same age and yet I never met her. I just only heard about all the great things she's done. And uh, when the song is over, Jane seems very pleased with her own performance. (laughs) (laughs) This version um, really, I think it made clear to me the reason for Jane and Emma's kind of like adversity towards each other. Um, Yeah. And because it really made me think like, oh, I bet you anything, the letters Ms. Bates writes to Jane are saying the same exact stuff. Yeah, about Emma. About Emma, about how she's so great and she's beautiful and they should be best friends. And I'm sure Jane is like, stop, yeah. please, <laughs> I don't care about her. Yeah. Which is why I think it's a little bit of a shame that they cut so much of the Jane Fairfax storyline mm-hmm. out. I did like a lot of those deleted scenes and I feel like it would have developed more of their relationship. Yeah. We should definitely talk about that in the next episode a little more, like yes. um, some of the deleted scenes. <laughs> okay. So we're, then we're at the haberdashery, the town haberdashery. It's such a beautiful set. I love that place. Mm-hmm. When the Martins walk in. <laughs> <laughs> Harriet is like, I have to leave. But she can't not stare at them and walk oh, super slowly. So when the Martin girls come up and they invite her to visit and she looks at Emma and Emma just gives her a little nod. She's like, okay. <laughs> I'll come. And she stares at Mr. Martin for a while as she walks out and he follows her out into the rain and just warns her that she should go a different way because the regular way is flooded and so she should go the high ground. And she looks so sad oh. and distraught. 
They both look so sad. They both have the most puppy dog faces. Yes, yes. 1,000%. <laughs> he always looks sad yeah. until the end. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's just always got a mopey Eeyore face going on. Yeah. It's not scary. It's just good. I mean, not that she always looks sad, but she just has a very expressive mm-hmm. sad quality to her. So she goes to, for her visit. Emma drops her off. And as Emma is waiting for her, a man on horseback rides up and asks for directions. And then we see her back at her garden or greenhouse at home. And the Westons come up bringing the same man to visit. And it's Frank Churchill mm-hmm. at last. Finally. He came for a surprise visit. <laughs> well, I guess uh, there was a little thing at dinner where Jane was, they were like, oh, he was visiting you when his dad was getting married and he should have been here at the mm-hmm. wedding. <laughs> she was like a little tiny line that was like, oh, that's a nice little. <laughs> she was like, oh, well. <laughs> Oh, this custard is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, par- obviously the Westons are up for a little matchmaking of their own because they keep sharing looks like, oh, Frank Churchill and Emma, we're going to get them together. <laughs> <laughs> Last scene before we get to halfway, Frank Churchill wants to go into the haberdashery just as Emma is about to ask about how he knows Jane. So uh, doing a little, everyone's deflecting here. Inside, he's very evasive. <laughs> And he says all he knows is that she's poor and of no consequence. And Emma's like, you're both about as evasive as you can be about each other. (laughs) (laughs) And they go back outside and he's saying he wants to have a ball. And they're doing this little dance around each other. It's staged really cute. Emma seems very excited by the idea of a ball or dance. And Frank goes ahead and asks her if he can have the first two dances whenever they finally have it. And that is halfway. <laughs> uh, should we do our favorite scenes oh, sure. from that bit? Sure. Yes. Because my favorite one of that bit, we didn't get to my favorite scene yet. Of the whole thing. Of the whole thing. Mm. Maybe the sugar. Jenga <laughs> <scene>. <laughs> just because it's so crazy and manic i mean there's so much great stuff that happens in this first half but i do really like that because it's so unique i've never seen that game yeah. and just the fact that her face is covered in sugar for the whole next sad little scene is just like so perfect <laughs> so i always love those scenes where it's like something completely ridiculous going on and like they look crazy and then like a serious person in the like piece comes up and they're like, oh, <laughs> and they looked insane. Yes. <laughs> Those are always my favorite scenes. Yeah. Um, I would say my favorite's probably the piano scene. <laughs> um, not only because of like the actual events, but like if you watch, when you watch the movie, like the little glances they give each other, the little eye rolls everywhere. Oh, yeah. And just the way that her and Jane, when she says that, I hope I can relax the piece. Yes. Recollect the piece. <laughs> it, uh, it just... The way that she says it, it's just like, fuck you. <laughs> I especially love Jane's face when Emma does her, like, dramatic ending, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I love that scene. What's yours? Um, probably the scene with where Miss Bates sees Emma and Harriet in the store and comes in. <laughs> That's a that, great scene, I too. love Miss Bates so much, everything yeah. she does. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was hilarious. <laughs> Miranda Hart, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's great. 
Mm-hmm. I think Autumn DeWild really loved her, too. Like, she, <laughs> I always hear her talking about her. She's just such a funny actress and makes really hilarious yeah, choices. Yeah, I really loved Miss Bates in the Gwyneth Paltrow version, too. Yes. It's like, all of my favorite parts for people from that one, or, like, favorite characters, are also still my favorite characters <laughs> in this one. <laughs> Even though they're different people. All right, should we do the deep dive? Yes. Okay. All right, so I'll be doing the deep dive today, um, and we will be going over Mr. Woodhouse. Oh, your first deep dive. I know. Very excited. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm always feeling like I never get enough information. <laughs> oh, we'll be fine. Yeah. We're already at an hour, so. <laughs> exactly. Well, so we know he's the father of Emma and Isabella. Yes. He is a landowner and a gentleman. Let's see. He is a hypochondriac, as we all know. They often allude to him being a valetudinarian, uh-huh. which, uh, let me see if I can find it, because it, the way they, I have this, um, this article that you sent me about how the title of it is, Mr. Woodhouse is not a hypochondriac, <laughs> and explains, like, why he's not a hypochondriac, because of um, of this valetudinarian stuff. Let's see if I can find it. Is that, like, a certain age, like... I think so. 80s? 70s? It's, uh, I think it has less to do with age and more of, like, to do with, like, health conscious or something, like. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I'm like, really? No, I thought I wrote, let me see. Sorry. Okay. So, this term, valetudinarian, people say that Jane Austen uses it as a synonym for hypochondriac. Uh-huh. But, apparently, the unabridged Oxford English Dictionary defines it as a person weak in health or an invalid. Oh. So, probably someone who's either actually sick or very is like gets sick really easily right so kind of like brings like a reason to the madness yeah. for him yeah i'm sure maybe he's been sick before <laughs> a lot <laughs> he doesn't seem sick at this one though no he's very spry <laughs> yes. he just seems very worried about being sick all the time yeah but basically to say like hypochondria and valetudinarians um they both possess exaggerated fears about potential disability um, but that the valetudinarian differs in that he actually has a number of bona fide medical conditions, ah. whereas the hypochondriac, in reality, enjoys good health. Ah. I wonder if there's a difference between, like, hypochondria and worrying about other people's... Health? Health. Because I feel like he's more... He's just, like, paranoid, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would think hypochondriac is more about, like, your own health. Like, I'm always, like, I'm I'm afraid of getting sick, or I'm always sick, or whatever. Right. And maybe this valetudinarian is something that explains it better, because it's like, he's, like, I've been sick a bunch, and I... Yeah. He's mostly concerned with his children getting sick. He's not really concerned with, like, Mr. Knightley getting sick, or anything like that. He just is, like, you know, the only thing he make, mentions to Mr. Knightley is about being cold. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it seems like maybe it's more of like a familial thing maybe. yeah well he is clearly doesn't ever want anyone to leave him so right. i could see that being like, maybe his wife got sick yeah well she definitely died so I, I think it was from an illness yeah so maybe that's also a contributor yeah i think so he has three principal concerns his health the health of others and his opposition to matrimony and his circle of friends or family <laughs> he views matrimony as the worst thing to happen <laughs> This article also, like, listed a bunch of his, like, uh, um, what was it? Like, points in, like, the novel and the movies where it shows his valetudinarianism <laughs> slash hypochondriac. And some of the funny ones was his inability to walk far. <laughs> um, 
his hate of late hour and large dinner parties. Yes. <laughs> um, approval of small egg ingestions. <laughs> And sitting for pictures makes him nervous. <laughs> and then they were also saying that taking different lines from the movies and the books could very well point that he actually has an illness called um, hypothyroidism. Ah. It was first described as Mike's edema in 1829, and it's basically just a hormonal underactivity of the thyroid gland that leads to feeling of coldness, mental yeah. nervousness, and skeletal weakness. That makes sense. Yes. I might have that. <laughs> <laughs> the most common causes of it were goiter or enlargement of the thyroid gland, which often leads trouble to swallowing. And then they point to his uh, fondness of thin gruel, small eggs, and thoroughly boiled pork. Yes. So easy to chew and swallow. <laughs> no cake. <laughs> <laughs> which can get a little, you know, stuck in the throat. Um, and they went into this whole thing about, like, his role in the novel, and um, I completely, like, agreed with that and thought of it beforehand about how he's basically there to show how Emma is not all bad and not all snobbish, <laughs> and that she really cares for her father and yeah. really accepts his um, eccentricness, and yeah. it just shows how much of a good person she has the capability to be, <laughs> <laughs> if she really just put all of her efforts towards it. Yes. <laughs> what remind us what the name and who wrote the article so it's found in the jane austen society of north america and it was written by ted bader and the title is mr woodhouse is not a hypochondriac <laughs> exclamation point yeah cool yes awesome well i did look up what's the most hypochondriac signs even though he's <laughs> not a hypochondriac but i found a couple i thought okay so there's Two options. One is Virgo. Virgos have a natural ability to jump to the worst possible outcome, which makes them likely candidates for hypochondria. It's never just indigestion or sneeze. It's something much more dire. <laughs> <laughs> Since Virgos are gifted at research, they'll quickly come up with a diagnosis and a treatment. Of course. <laughs> um, but I was thinking maybe more of a cancer says cancers tend to be the kind of hypochondriacs who feel okay but are convinced at any moment they're going to get sick they're on high alert and if they hear someone else exhibiting a symptom they will suddenly feel as if they're coming down with the same symptom <laughs> 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 cancers care about people and want to be there when someone is sick but they'll experience a lot of anxiety if they think the patient is contagious it's best for them to stay away from sick people and offer their caring remotely well i don't know he could be a virgo or a cancer what do you think i like the virgo mm -hmm. yeah that, that does sound more, spot more like on. it when i read it out loud i was just thinking maybe cancer because cancers are very comforting and loving mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> in general and virgos can be a little prickly but <laughs> and then i don't know do you want to try i don't know how to do the dnd &D one should we just do harry potter or should we try yeah. to do a dnd &D? i could not even try that let's just do um astrology for now and we'll we'll come back we'll figure out what if we want to continue with the harry potter or do something other that seems maybe more he doesn't more seem fitting. much ma very magical anyway so mm, i don't know no. <laughs> if i could sort him into a harry potter house no <laughs> Yeah, we'll skip it for now. All right. Well, I think all that's really left is recommendations. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. 
we don't need to do um, final thoughts yet because yeah. we're not done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so used to doing it for the book of the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think you go first. Okay. Sure. Because I would like to recommend something the three of us watched together Woo-hoo. all day yesterday, basically. <laughs> <laughs> For 4th of July, we watched Hamilton. It's on Disney Plus now. It's... What's that? I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the recording of the Broadway original cast, and it's such a great recording. And yeah. I mean, I saw it, I've seen it once, not in um, Broadway or anything. I saw it um, in Tennessee. And I really enjoyed watching it live, but something about being able to see all like the expressions and there are things that I noticed that I would never have noticed just watching from like miles back from the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also watching it in person, you're just kind of, there's so much happening. It's like, where does your vision go? You know, and when everybody's on stage doing, and there's so, so many amazing pictures happening and things happening that, you know, it's definitely awesome that it's been recorded so you can go watch it and catch all that stuff. Cause there was, you know, Christian, I saw it on Broadway in March and just being able to see, see it again. There's just so, so crazy much that more. You saw that right before yeah. like in New York, right before yeah. all this craziness that started happening. Literally yeah. one of the last performances of Hamilton. So crazy. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> yeah. It was great though. Definitely recommend it if you haven't, I'm sure you've probably already watched it, but definitely Watch it. See what I, the hype is about, and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> I did see someone suggest that if you did not memorize the cast recording like I did, um, that you might want to watch it with subtitles. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I have a problem personally with being able to hear words over music in general. <laughs> and it was, I was just kept cranking it up and being like, it's not really helping. It's making the music louder. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I pretty much understood it. Yeah. Plus, it's rapping, so it's like kind of hard anyway to mm-hmm. catch all the words. But yeah, watch it That's several good. times and you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right. My recommendation this week is going to be an album. It is What's Your Pleasure by Jessie Ware. Mm. And uh, if you don't know Jessie Ware, she's like a, would you say like a singer, songwriter kind of? Because I know she writes all her own songs. But well, she... not solely. She was, she was kind of uh, got her start recording vocals on like, like a um, disclosure artist album, yeah, yeah like would... disclosure songs and like kind of like DJ sets, basically. Um, but she has this new album that just came out, I think, like maybe like less than two weeks ago, um, called "What's Your Pleasure," and it's very like seventies slash eighties disco, just really, really well done. I think it's probably her best album in my opinion so far. It's different than anything else she's ever done. Um, and it's just so much fun. That's it's cool. just like a not super super dancey, but like. Just very chill disco, if that makes sense. Which chill is more of her vibe. That sounds... I definitely should check that out. Yes. I think... <laughs> yeah. I think you would like it. But um, it's really good, and I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> awesome. Put it on the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> when the playlist comes out in 2030, I will... <laughs> when we finish the podcast, we'll release a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> With 4,000 songs on it. <laughs> what do, you, do you have a recommendation for Yeah, us? I do. Um... It is a Netflix series that came out right uh, right as the pandemic lockdown was happening called Never Have I Ever. It's co-created yes. by Mindy Kaling, <laughs> and it's about this girl, Davy, who is her father's died from a heart attack, and 
she is starting sophomore year of high school and uh, and all the hijinks that ensue as she's growing up. It's such a great like coming of age story. She's kind of a nerdy kid trying to, you know, find her way in the more popular crowd. It's, you know, a lot of the same kind of setups that we're used to, but told in a very different way. She's an Indian. Uh, her parents are Indian. And so she's a uh, child of immigrants. And uh, so there's that uh, that that angle to it too, but it's just really funny, really really great performances from young actors, and um, it's just really heartwarming. And is Mindy I, Kaling in it? No, no, nope. But she just produced. I'll have to check that out. I yeah, feel like I kind of like heard it. that there was a new Mindy Kaling thing, but I hadn't. You know, I haven't watched yes. anything. Yeah, the actress who plays the mom, you'll probably she's been in like a bunch of stuff. Uh, oh yeah, Pordna Jagannathan, I think her name. I cannot, I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name, but she's probably my favorite part of the mm-hmm. whole show. She's so funny and so good. <laughs> okay, well, definitely go check that one out. Yeah. Um, if you would like, um, so next week we're going to be doing the second <laughs> half of Emma. This is the first I, we haven't done a two parter in a while, so I'm right. feel like I'm a little rusty. <laughs> okay, I'll come back to record it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us. Yes. Uh, you can email us uh, at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at mannersmadness. Our Instagram is at mannersandmadnesspod. And our website is uh, mannersandmadness.com. And you can leave us a voice message. Yes. And we would really appreciate it if you would give us a reading, a review on Apple Podcasts. And... <laughs> 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 is there something else I'm supposed to say? I don't think so. <laughs> I think because we're so used to doing the book and everything where we did like final thoughts and yes, this yes. and this. It felt more like complete. Yeah. Well, maybe the next episode will feel like an ending. <laughs> 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 yep. So join us next week for the second half of Emma, where we will get into the second half of Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking to us. Yes. All right. Good night. Bye. Bye.